Welcome to Ming Presents the Reup, a conversation with the artistic mind. Well, hello there. Hello there. <laughs> I, sh- I should probably face my camera away from the sun. Yeah, well, you know, it depends on how you want the light, you know, the, the light off the head might blind all our viewers, like two thumbs. Yes. Yeah, look at us. We're both chrome domes. I know. It's a good look. Yes, actually, I, I had a beard and a mustache for like a couple weeks. But and then what my, happened? All my stream uh, listeners told me that they didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Did you look weird? Did you look like some sort of like, I don't know. I definitely looked older. Yeah. Like I, I look like, you know, I still look like I'm in my 30s with, uh, you know, clean shaven head and face. You know, my wife likes my beard. She likes the beard, so I don't. I just keep it because it's easier. So happy wife, you happy know. life, you know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I I probably look a lot younger without the beard too. It would look like somebody's right. dad, but you know, what are you gonna do? <laughs> well, you are somebody's dad. <laughs> I am. I'm two. I'm two people's dads. Right. Together we so how, have. It looks beautiful there. How, how, how's things? It's uh, you know, it's another day in uh, another day in the life of 2020 here in California. Yeah, California California's a blaze, which is a little bit crazy, but it's not as bad, right, as, as uh, Texas and Florida and, and Arizona right now, is it? Or um, I actually haven't been looking at the numbers because I don't want to get freaked out. So yeah. uh, I know that last week we had a record, <clears throat> a record week here, um, and there's a uh, an outbreak at the uh, San Quentin prison where like 1,400 inmates have it. Isn't that where they moved some set of prisoners? They tested them like a month before, and then they moved some really asinine. Yeah. How are, you, how are these people even running anything? That's I don't get who's making these decisions. It's just terrible decisions. Well, I mean, I'd say that pretty much across the board, um, America has messed this up. And it's not <laughs> a political thing. It's just, no. I mean, because, you know, this is a Democrat state, and it has tons and tons of cases so it's not a political thing it's just a you know i mean nobody was ready and nobody was prepared and there wasn't enough you know ppe available for people so yeah although we're now we're starting to see that so many people these all the sycophants with their pp you know ppe and all this money given to these businesses that probably didn't need it but you know right yeah like well I, uh, let's, let's remain neutral here. <laughs> we can, it's we very can hard to remain neutral these this. days. I know that huh? we share the same beliefs pretty much. Yeah. But, uh... I had know. an interesting conversation with somebody who's a friend of mine who I know has different political leanings. And we had a nice, um... I think we came together nicely in the middle. And the conversation was basically like, look, I think we believe in exactly the same things. It's just that you're being told to pay attention to something else that I'm being told to pay attention to. Right. You're worried, you're worried about statues and, and, you know, riots. And I'm, and I'm worried about the people dying. Yeah. Like, but we both care about the people dying. You're just focused. You're being distracted by these, you know what I mean? This other issue. Right. And, um, you know, by the end of the conversation, I think we both sort of hugged it out. And we're like, you know, we are on the same page. We talked about gun violence. We talked, you know, all this. I think people are. Uh-huh. I think people across the board, whether you're upset or worried about something, feel that certain changes have to happen anyway, regardless of where you stand politically. At the end of the day, we all just want to live, and right. anybody who doesn't want to live, 
Um, you know, I mean, have you ever met somebody that doesn't want to live? Well, I guess that's... <laughs> yes, <laughs> we both little... have, actually. So right, yes, of course we have. R.I.P. Yes. Bill. Um, I think people give up on living. I, yeah. I think what's happened is, is that young people are confusing freedom for safety. Right. You know, people are tired of being pent up and staying home and it's harder for them to focus and they want to get out and live their lives and lives. Definitely. Definitely. You know, but and I and that's what I when I see people acting irresponsibly, I, I I get it that they just you know, being inside for three months drove me crazy and I actually have something to do. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I stream four days a week and um and I had something to do, and I definitely was having a tough time just being indoors every day, all day, not having, you know, you know, my freedoms. And uh, I think that everybody wants their freedoms, but at the same time, there's a huge amount of responsibility that comes with having your freedoms. I think that's kind of what's happening is we're getting a, a viral check in our in, in what freedom means. Right. Uh -huh. Is that? And I think that this is not. I know we're all going through this one thing here, not to say it like all doom and gloom, but I think that this is the first of many things that are to come. We're going to have water shortages. We're going to have droughts. We're going to have. These are all the things that are coming around the corner because we are not slowing the machine down. The machine is not going to work in the way that it works. Right. But like every year, been, every year the fires here in California get worse and worse. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things that you could point fingers at as to why the fires get worse every year here. You know, not enough rain, you know, it's hotter, etc. and so forth. Yeah. So, yeah, there's definitely a lot uh, headed down the pike for us. And, you know, really, in order to not get overwhelmed by it, you just have to try to take everything day by day and not really worry about what's going to happen next month. Yeah. As we've learned, you know, we'll get through it. I'm very day by day these days, and I'm actually enjoying it a lot. Um, mm -hmm. You know, obviously with music and we have releases and things that we have to schedule and all that kind of stuff to be ahead of the curve, you know, and to make plans and all that. But uh, in terms of living, it's feel it's kind of nice to be back to day, you know, almost right. day, day to day, especially with the kids and all that. Right. Um, yeah. Let's talk about club quarantine because I think you really turned a situation a, a lord you know like you had a new album coming out or it came out you had a tour planned like talk about all that talk about how what happened with the new album and then how you took that energy that was going to be placed on the road and put it into this amazing live streaming thing that you you well, I mean you really built it from nothing which is amazing i you know <laughs> just i i you know i sit here and i just say i i can't believe i did it honestly cuz i mean like I've never streamed ever before. And like when all the gigs got canceled on one day, basically, I think it was like March 13th, all the gigs basically got kaput. And, and that was the tour for Remedy. That was the, that was the. Yeah. We had started the tour uh, at the end of January uh, to coincide with the album release. Uh, and just to go back a little further, we um, intentionally took uh, off many of markets in America last year to so that we could come back fresh and have a really exciting tour and also you know there was a lot of time needed to make the album and finish the album and that took a lot longer than we planned so we didn't really book a lot of shows last year so um it was really disappointing 
to not be able to go out and, and perform these songs to our fans in you know some of the biggest markets and um so basically the day that it all went down i was really really depressed and i was like i've got to figure out how to get online how to how to stream and i had no idea you know like the only time i had ever streamed i did a facebook live with my you know my computer camera uh and uh so i had no knowledge of streaming so i watched a couple of youtube videos and you know kept trying all these experiments and failing miserably and one day it just sort of clicked like i have to download this program called obs that's right. the conduit between my mixer and my computer to broadcast so once i figured out that there's this thing called obs it sort of clicked and so uh, i think that what really happened was i didn't know anything about twitch i didn't know anything about anything so i did my first broadcast on facebook live but i had set up a twitch in case of anything right and so i did the facebook live and a broadcast for like 45 minutes and kept getting these notice notifications that i'm playing copywritten music and it's being you know it's being nice. blanked out and, at, and the hour was done I, I don't know if they limit you to an hour on on facebook live uh, but we got kicked off and so I wrote in the comments we're moving it over to twitch so enough people shared that with other people that we had a thousand people listening on twitch within like 45 minutes and I just I DJed for like nine hours that day <laughs> it's unbelievable and totally not ready totally unprepared totally like you know my music wasn't organized or anything and um but i just loved it i was just like wow the connection that you have with people is really incredible on this thing and um i just had to do it so i every day for the next 14 days i found some way to stream uh uh using twitch and that's kind of how i built club quarantine was just being there for people, uh, you know, when they really, really needed it. And, um, and I needed it. So it was like kind of like a symbiotic relationship. And, uh, you know, I just realized that I'm just a DJ addict. <laughs> you know, I mean, nine hours is, I don't do anything for nine hours, maybe not even sleep for nine hours. Right. You know, I hadn't, I hadn't, I might've done one set in my house for nine hours once before i had never dj'd for that long either and um so it was just the adrenaline the the encouragement from the from the people in the chat room it was just also what i needed at the yeah. time so um that's kind of how it how it started and it's sort of grown from there i mean we didn't have anything any community things we didn't have any emotes we didn't have any you know we didn't have anything uh for our first you know few broadcasts really yeah and you know i'm still learning about twitch even to this day now having logged over 500 hours over the last four months that's crazy it is crazy and i definitely do pay for it um, yeah, yeah, I mean, you feel it afterwards. I feel it. Like, you know, it reminds me of when I used to party in my 20s. Yeah. And then the next day, you're just like, whoa, what did I do last night? Oh, I did seven pills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Why do I feel so bad?
Yes, exactly. Why does my heart feel so bad? <laughs> if I might quote Moby. Yeah, I I remember stepping over Moby at more than one party. I love his straight edge, his his straight edge attitude. But I remember these three day parties in in Manhattan, and you know you'd be coming out and stepping out of the party, like oh that's Moby on the floor. Right. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, he's another Chromie. Oh yeah, he's one of the original Chromies. Yes, he is. Um, <laughs> actually, I go way way back with him. Um, he was. Were you a New Yorker? I'm from Connecticut. You're from Connecticut, so you know you're like East Coast. I'm East Coast. When you met me uh, at Groove Radio, right? I had just moved to LA. Like I had been there for maybe six months to a year, and um, so. But I was just an East Coast transplant, just trying to make it make it work. Yeah. And I'm glad that I did because Sweetie still doing his thing. I'm 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 impressed with him. He's out. How many years has it been? You think he's been I mean, doing it thirty years? Between K Rock and uh groove radio and mars fm and grooveradio.com and like being on sirius xm he probably has a good 40 or some odd years wow. I think he started in the 70s so i think it's actually more like 45 years that's amazing uh-huh he's he is what you would call a legend no doubt mm, you know i think that that word gets thrown around a lot and um but he is truly a legend. I mean, he's been such a, a good supporter of my of mine, my whole career of every like from Ming and the Ming and FS days to currently, he still supports my house music and all this. You know, it's it's powerful, and he's yeah. You know, well, he knows he knows his music, and he's he's a good guy. At the end of the day, I believe that Swedish Eagle, like me, is just driven by the next great record. Yeah. And like when I find the next great record, it's just like everything is feels right in my world. And I and I believe that he's the same way. And like when I worked for him, he was always like, David, did you find anything good today? It's <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, so sweet to Eagle. That's exactly yes, what I, he sounds like. But I found this month. song called Sandstorm. Yeah. We should, we should play it. Oh, great. Bring it to the music meeting. You did not bring in Sandstorm. Yes, I did. Oh my God, I love it. Uh-huh, I found it on, story. I discovered it on Napster. Oh, you did not, that's amazing. Yes, in, in the Groove Radio studios, I used to basically spend all day on Napster finding music. Like I would like <laughs> look at charts and I would look at playlists from Pete Tong and then just try to go search for the songs on, on Napster. I love it. And you were, you were bootlegging for a radio station. Yeah, I was, and I'm not ashamed to say it either. Because... I mean, it's under it's underground music. You have to find it how you find it. I mean, that's 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 back then. Digging was hard. I mean, it, it... well, it was a brand new form of digging, like finding names and then searching names and finding labels and searching other artists on those labels. Like that really started with Napster. Yeah, uh, you know, like you know, before there were algorithms, you know, like when you go on Beatport and it says users also bought, and then the Beatbot says Beatbot suggestions. I mean, this was really like the 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 foundation of that style of music searching. Yeah, I re my, I remember how slow it was though. That's the thing that I remember oh, yeah. being like, this is painfully slow to get like 
MP3s. I mean, now we don't even think about it. It's just, you know, right. Well, I mean, we had a T1 line at Groove Radio, so. Oh, yeah. If somebody had a fast connection, it was good, but generally everybody was still on 56K, so it took a few hours to download a, you know, a four or five, six minute song. My kids will never know that dial tone of the. Remember when you used to call in that with that? <laughs> it was the worst sound ever. The worst it sounded sound. like a. It sounded like a digital murder. It did sound like a digital murder. It was like, why is that the sound? Yeah. Oh, don't mind. They're just building a house next door. Oh, uh, that's all right. Last week they were uh, trimming the hedges, and I had to do it. My internet was down, and I had to do it from another house. And they decided to trim the hedges just as soon as I started with Chopper Dave. So I can right. barely hear it though. This they have like good compression on this Instagram live stuff. Nice. So 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 Club Quarantine now moves. It's it's Saturday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Tuesday. And Tuesday. Why and Tuesday? Tuesday because I'm an addict and I have to DJ. And <laughs> I don't know why I didn't choose Wednesday, which seems more equidistant from to Sunday and Friday. But I think that I looked at the numbers and Tuesday had better numbers than other days of the week that weren't weekends. Yeah. And so I think that that's why I chose it. You know, I also have to, you know, manage a schedule with my, uh, with my daughter's mother. Yeah. So, um, I uh, I took that into consideration too, uh, to come up with the schedule. I wanted it just to be fair enough for everybody. Um, you know, fair enough. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's ju ju juggling family during this time has been very difficult. I think all oh, around. I think that um, that's a universal problem with yeah. anybody who has children, is that you know any parent has become, you know, a teacher, a parent, a playmate. Uh, you know, the, the cook. Yeah, my, my daughter had a meltdown a week and a half ago on a Sunday because, and she was freaking out. She's five. And at the end, like at some point in her meltdown, she was like, I just need a schedule. I Aww. just need a schedule. That's literally what she started saying. We, my, my wife and I were like, oh, because she, you know, she has a schedule, but for a five-year-old, like unless you nail it down for them every day, they don't, they can't remember that they had one yesterday or that they didn't want to do something or whatever. It's difficult yeah. for them. She's used to be in you know, a classroom where it's being, she's being pulled right. out. Right. And we are, we are creatures of routine. Yeah. And, um, and there we, the, Michelle Richardson is saying they thrive on routine. <laughs> she's, she's one of our uh, dedicated listeners, Mitch Rich 22. Someone asked you what what was your favorite set. I noticed that question came up before. I don't know if that was a club quarantine set or just in general what your favorite gig has ever been. I, I I don't know what they asked. I think maybe probably the club quarantine sets. And I think that every time I do one of my like extra extended Saturday classic sets are my favorite sets. Just yeah. because I mean I think the reason why I, I play way longer on Saturdays when I play classics is just. The, the memory is attached to all the music that I haven't heard in years. Yes. It's like extremely sacred to me. And that keeps me going even regardless of how tired I am. Like the, the, the thought that half a day passes and here I am still playing music is just crazy to me. I mean, I'm, in a lot of ways, 
I see when you go live and I tune in here and there, you know, to like check out and listen to things. But with two kids, I feel very selfish doing it. So right, like yeah. if I was if I was to play for five hours, even when I do an hour here and an hour there, funny funny for me is like when I the way that I delineate my family time because obviously when you're a musician you're always working. Right. right? Uh-huh. So my you know, I get up, I, I work out I usually drop the kids off at school and then I work, you know, I'm in my studio from 9.30 till 5 or 6 o'clock and then I do dinner for my family. My wife comes home for work, you know, the kids come home and that's usually the thing. So I don't generally, you know, I cut it off at a certain point. I don't just continue to do music stuff. Like you could just go back in the studio and work until 2 in the morning. So right. when I'm home and I'm not playing gigs, I don't tend to DJ you know what I mean? I'm not DJing like on my extra time instead of watching an hour of TV Same. with my wife or just hanging I out. Mean, that was literally my life until quarantine. I mean, I would do my work and then the minute like it, my, my daughter came home, it was like everything's off. Yeah. And I would take care of her. I would cook meals. I would you know do everything that I need to do in the house. But I, you know, I didn't go on Beatport. I didn't do any music stuff. And I mean, there's parts of it I do feel are good because I think that now my daughter fully kind of understands what daddy does. She just knew that daddy is a DJ and plays music. Right. But now she's actually seen it and she's sort of like, it's in her life now because, you know, half of our house is a DJ booth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, she, you know, I think that she has a lot more respect for, for what I do and has a lot more understanding. Yeah, it's, it's funny. My son's eight and a half now, and he's he's a Minecrafter. So he's we, we know we got him, but he's gonna. I have two sets in that Minecraft festival thing that's going on. You right. know, it's like the R Block Minecraft. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. Millions yeah, of right. artists, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so he missed the set this morning, but um, you know it comes back on again on I think four or five on Sunday. Right. And so he's really excited to be in there doing it with his friends and like being able to go to this like Minecraft rave. That's cool. Um, you know, my daughter just got into Minecraft. She got into Roblox first. Roblox, right. And then she f- she f- somehow heard maybe from one of her friends about Minecraft. And so she checked out Minecraft. And Roblox has just been, like, totally not even played with since. And he's, in, I, he's into the coding and all that other stuff. He's, like, doing Minecraft camp this summer. He's nice. Like, cool. I mean, that's really awesome uh, that, that, that... And this is a reason why I don't get too weird about her having a device in her hand, especially now when I'm like constantly running around doing 10 different things at any moment. Um, Is that I think even though there's a lot of social problems with being on your device all the time, I think that it's setting her up for maybe a, a, you know, a job in computer programming one day and, you know, love and respect of devices and like, and what they bring. Uh, and I think that that's going to become ever more important as she gets older. We have the same. We try to limit the screen time in general, but now that the quarantine is, you know, like, and the kids kids don't have camp and they don't, and they were on their devices for school, we really have to be more relaxed about that and find positive things that he can do. So he does one week of chess camp, and uh-huh. then he, and then we also have him doing like tutoring 
school tutoring. So he like meets with the teacher for, for a couple hours, does writing. He's like, we, right. we continued uh -huh. school on, we didn't stop. We were like, there's no other way we can do this. Right. We can't just, it's not as full. And then, you know, one week he does chess, another week he does Minecraft. Um, uh -huh. And it's been super positive. It's harder for the younger one, for my daughter. She doesn't right. really, she doesn't dig it so much, but. Yeah, well, I think that when, when they're five, they're, they, they can't really grasp the, some of the concepts of playing these games yet. I'm blown yeah. away by the, her ability to just navigate on Minecraft. I was just watching her last night and I'm like, she's maneuvering through the 3D environment and totally understanding every nuance of the, every shape and direction. And she's just like, totally like, I gotta build my windows. I gotta do this. I gotta dig a hole. I gotta do this. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's 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 funny. It, it's it's very empowering for them because they, it's not just building things. It's a community that to take care of animals, right? And they have yeah. to, you know, they learn coding so they can do like if you turn a switch, it do X, Y, and Z. It's very mm -hmm. interesting. I didn't realize it was so in depth. I had a funny interaction with Simon Dunmore from from uh, Defected Records. Uh -huh. Yeah, he 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 posted a tweet hating on the festival basically like posted a picture you know that one festival flyer that's got like oh you know quintillion names on it yeah yeah and he said if this is where dj culture is going i'm glad i i glad i lived like a you know something like i can't remember exactly what he said but he was hating on the festival right and i post i responded back to him being like yo that's really not cool first of all during quarantine this is the best that people like people are still trying to find a community a and my son is super excited to be able to hear me DJ in Minecraft with all his friends. He's never going to a rave at eight and a half years old. Right. And and D, like, why would you hate on something that's so positive? You know, I think it's because just... of their first day, maybe. Um, what? The first day, yesterday, um, I guess they came online and they weren't ready. And there was a lot of problems. And then, like... No, no, no. He was just hating on the concept. Oh, the concept. Right. Okay. Like, like it's not. I mean, like how can you not, hate on something that's actually trying to bring people together? And I don't time. know that. And then, of course, you know, because like I'm swimming against the tide on Twitter, you know, basically calling him out on his shit. Like, why are you being an old man? That's, that's not cool, right? And not mm -hmm. cool. The for defected is all about community and culture. Right. How definitely. Are you gonna, you're gonna hate on this other culture. I don't know. It just it really rubbed me the wrong way. But you know, he got a lot of likes on being. His response was, "You hate." And some other things like, you know, took my words and turned them around wasn't what I said said to him at all. Right. You know, but I was, I don't think that people realize that music discovery is, for children, is going to come from the games, the Spotify, the, 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 the things they do online. My son has, has like, op a whole world has opened up to him through Spotify. Definitely. Like he's building his own playlists. He's, you know, he's like, he's, he knows my music from Spotify. I've never played my son music on like, like here's dad's music. Right. Uh huh. He, he goes in and he's like, he'll t like later on, he'll tell me like, Hey, how did I like this song? This one you did with Fred, or I like this one here. I remember when you were working on that one in the studio. I think it's pretty cool. Uh -huh. Right. I'm yeah, not definitely. He's finding it. Uh huh. I mean, and I think that what, they're doing uh, with this Minecraft festival is showing that music and virtual worlds can can be combined. Yeah. Um, now, I mean, the fact that they can't actually play the music in Minecraft is a little strange. 
<laughs> I was actually going to tweet this morning. I guess we could get Sasha and Digweed on the Minecraft festival. Just put on a Sasha and Digweed set and roam around the Minecraft festival. Totally. <laughs> totally. You know? So, um, someone's asking here, and I don't know if you can see the same questions that I'm seeing, but someone asked, Dresden and Ming, I'd love to hear your thoughts about MDMA mushroom use in the rave scene. Um, that's from, it's from Tyler. Yeah. Yeah. I did see that one. Um, you know, I, I definitely am not one to tell people what to do. And yeah. I, I have definitely partaken in many, many illegal, illegal drugs in my life. So, um, and I feel even though at one point in a time, the drugs definitely were a problem for me, um, that I wouldn't be who I am today musically without the, um, the exploration that the drugs were allowed me to do. Yeah. Um, like to expand my mind. And like before I'd ever taken a pill, I thought trance was boring. Right. <laughs> and, and then I took a pill in 1997 and I heard trance at that same event. And I was like, Oh my God, I fucking love this music. I totally get it now. <laughs> and they became my favorite music. So, um, and I mean, those, those, that informed a lot about my music career moving forward. So I am not anti, I, I do with, I would like to say, that if you're gonna party, be be responsible. And if you find that you're getting in too deep, that you need the drugs, then that's definitely something you need to examine. Yeah. Like, See, I was like, I, I, I need the coffee, you know. Like, <laughs> luckily, I don't lose anything from drinking coffee, really, <laughs> except maybe my kidneys. But, um, but you know, it's sort of like what is right for each user i think is um is where you need to like look at i mean i love hallucinogens that. i think hallucinogens are an amazing way of understanding the connectivity between everything i mean uh, that was that's always been one of my um you know like i was i liked acid over mushrooms personally but that that connect like feeling the world you know the electricity uh -huh. of the world when you're in the middle of a big trip has has been very a big influence on my music making and my life in general. So I'm I'm pro anything that helps you open your mind. I don't really have any I don't have any value judgments on doing drugs. I think that there are drugs that you can do <clears throat> that are not necessarily conducive to a healthy lifestyle. Definitely. But there are, but, and you know, any, too much of anything is, is not good, but I do think some drugs are, be are better for, you know, an open mind. Hallucinogens do that for you. MDMA definitely does that for you in its own right. Definitely. Um, and I think, and I really think the world will be a better place if everybody trips at least once, but that's, that's a whole other conversation. I mean, I fully <laughs> agree with you. And I think that like, you know, I mean, the whole, the whole conversation about, you know, marijuana and why, it was illegal for all these years to protect us. You know, I think that most people have learned that that was BS. Yeah, that's a lie. I mean, that's a straight up just monetary, you know, lie. Right. The lobby makes marijuana illegal so that the alcohol, you know, right. And, and, and tobacco producers can make more money. That's Definitely. straight up what happened. I mean, 
Uh-huh. And that just goes to show you the power that big industries have. Um, and, you know, you know, there was a lot of racism involved, too, uh, with yeah. marijuana's uh, legality. So, um, and, you know, like, there was a lot of fear that when Washington legalized it and when Colorado legalized it, that there would be an uptick in crime, and that just hasn't happened. Um, in fact, I mean, when was the last time you were high? I mean, honestly, this is it's such a non weed smoker thing to say. I've never been high and been like, I'm going to do crime, right? No, I don't want to, I don't want to get into a fight with anybody, I don't want to do anything like I just want to dance or eat or sleep or be happy or be with my friends. I've never felt any other emotion from being high than basically positivity i mean every once in a while you get paranoid but yeah, that doesn't definitely. make you go then you get paranoid and then you go do something bad no you no you you, you basically bug out. yeah you just curl up in a ball and <laughs> end you go look for cuddles <laughs> yeah i mean for me marijuana makes music sound so much better and like every time i, I take a break from it and i like I don't need that shit to make music sound great i'm cool i'm fine and then i smoke pot and i like Oh my God, this track is the most amazing thing ever. I mean, there's not one track that I've made that I haven't, you know, put to the, the weed test before it, yeah. you know, was submitted to the record label. Yeah, I would say this to you, and I, and I, it's funny because I just listened to your album before this conversation, and I haven't done this with anybody else I've done a re up with. I haven't listened to their music, like, I've done, haven't done any homework. I was just, haven't had time to listen you know to your album so i was like i'm just gonna listen to it it's a beautiful like windy day and i can hear the hallucinogens and i can hear i can hear all of that stuff in your music you have all this weird little random bits and pieces that, that are just floating around you know on top of the beautifully constructed songs and you know tracks and all that i you you've got all the crazy ear candy in there and i love that because that's something that we did as ming and fs is that we we put in things that you may never hear little details you're high right well one thing that we love to do is record real sounds like i'd be yeah, out yeah. here recording those birds chirping and you know you'd get the whole environment like that the highway noise that you hear that could also be part of the bird chirping sound and you put it in a song and it brings a realness to the to the sounds um that you wouldn't get if you just had a drum beat and some percussion going on um and that's something you know little details like that we love that too um and it's there's multitudes of reasons why we do that and you know part of it is just to musically document moments that were special yeah um but also just to, you know give people who are listening with headphones some extra you know candy as you would say uh, my wife just said hello is this the first one you're watching jackie hey jackie <laughs> Welcome to the broadcast. Welcome to the broadcast. She's always like, what is he doing in there? What is right. he doing? Yeah, yeah. My girlfriend now, she's like super, she's a DJ. I mean, she's not a DJ by trade, but she's a DJ by hobby. Uh -huh. And so she never asks what I'm doing. But my ex definitely, you know, she, you know, she knew what I was doing, but, it, you know, it was annoying to her a lot. <laughs> Maybe that's why she's your ex. You know, I mean, she she definitely uh, came around at a time where I needed a woman like her. Um, she gave me a beautiful daughter, uh, and then that you know that was it. And I think that she was secretly hoping that I would give up 
on music. And I mean, I'm not qualified for anything. I'm qualified <laughs> to be a Starbucks barista. Did I, I no heard, disrespect I, to Starbucks baristas, but I mean, I'm just not qualified for anything. I mean, I, you know, I could be a toll taker. I could no disrespect to toll takers. <laughs> um, but you know, I've been deep, I've been doing music since I graduated high school. So yes. I have no other experience. I mean, it's been your only, you went, you were at Groove Radio programming, right? But yeah, I was doing the music direction and, you know, some of the, you know, we were doing promotions and things, but everything was music related there. And that was yes. the only actual real job I ever had was Groove Radio. Yeah, when did you, when did, when did Gabriel Dresden take off enough that you were able to sort of like, just, you know, really focus on that as, a, as, as yours? Well, Gabriel Dresden actually happened because we, we needed, both of us independently needed something. Mm. Josh had started a tech company and partnered with another bigger tech company, which had a board of directors and then all the fun had gone out of it. So he quit this tech company to focus on music full time. Right. And then I was working at Groove Radio until Clear Channel bought Groove Radio. Oh, that's right. And Clear Channel bought Groove Radio and then started cutting off the hands and then the arms and then the legs and then then they just let everybody go. I was like part of the <clears throat> the last crew to go. But um, you know, I had that whole summer um before G and D started that I did not have any employment, no money coming in. And, you know, Josh was in a similar boat. And that's not why we came together. We came together because Pete Tong who had asked me to do some music music scouting for him, but wasn't really paying me. He, you know, he was like, you know, you've been really great, a great asset for me and great asset for the essential selection. <laughs> here's, um, you know, here's a remix that if, you know, if we accept it, you'll get paid X amount of dollars for. And I, <clears throat> I didn't have any studio experience at the time. So I really wanted to explore making music with Josh, and so that gave me the opportunity to do it. And then literally on the first day that we made music, 9-11 happened. And, and it was, so it was like, we were both, you know, unemployed and it was a scary world. And so we kind of looked at each other and we we're kind of like, we got to make this work. <laughs> That's crazy. We didn't really I didn't, say that. I didn't know that you guys had started after Fred and I had, had, had started making, you know, been doing music. I just... Yeah. I don't really remember. Yeah, because that was 20 years ago. I, yeah. <laughs> that was 20 years ago. So, um, <clears throat> I mean, I'm not sure if 9-11 had happened, would G&D have happened? Um, or, you know, had we both been unemployed, had G&D happened? It was just the perfect storm of things and then we, you know, we realized that we had a good chemistry in the studio and that like my DJ experience combined with his studio experience made a, you know, a better whole than the sum of its parts. Yeah. And, and then, you know, like from that one remix, we had landed, you know, three others before we could even like blink. And so it was like, okay, well, the next project, and I, would, I was living in LA at the time, so I would drive up to San Francisco and sleep in his guest room all week. We'd make their music, then I would drive back to LA, have the weekend, 
and then I'd come back on Sunday night and we'd do our next project. And this lasted for a year and a half before we actually said G&D is a thing. I mean, it's, you, put in your, you put in the work. It was, it was as entrepreneurial as it gets. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, it was just, you know, I mean, I liken what's going on now to this, you know, the situation that happened after 9-11. I mean, 9-11 was a little bit more encapsulated because it affected less people directly. But, um, you know, I think that everybody was equally scared after 9-11 about what was happening to our country and what, you know, what, you know, how are we going to move forward from this and what is life going to look like? And I think that we're sort of back in that place. And so the success of Club Quarantine, just to like tie it back to that, is like, it's interesting that like our biggest successes seem to happen at, the, as, at, at you know, as a result of the bad things that are going on in the world. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, maybe that's, but that's what music is about. It's about, it's about yes. know, taking that energy and, and creating something positive from it. Uh -huh. um, I had an interesting conversation with an indie rock musician um, the other day, and I was, I'm wondering if, you know, how everything has become very image driven, even in our scene, even in the electronic music scene, like a lot of the young, up it's the reason why I shaved before this conversation. They're all really good looking, they're young, you know, it's like a different thing than when you and I were got, like, electronic musicians, it was all about just the music. There was no right. real image image thing, and that's changed over time. Yeah, I mean, there's always been an image, but it's not like the way it is now. Well, because we're constantly have to like post our image. Like right. back, you know, back when Ming and FS was a thing, you know, you had one photo shoot that lasted you for two years, and that was the only photo people saw of you. Yep. And so, like nowadays, it's like, you know, we're documenting our daily lives back practically for everybody, and you know, we are actual public figures now, whereas yeah. before. We were public figures, some of us, but like most of us weren't. We we're just dudes making records. But what I'm wondering is, with this thing happening, where now we're not even sure what's going to happen with live music forever, and with how music is getting digested, is will bands that are ugly as sin have a better chance of coming out because the image is now what's more important is really the output. Right. I mean, that's a really good, interesting question, and I wonder how you would actually go about. <laughs> no, but Figuring I'm serious. Like, do you remember, like, if you listen to all that great music from the 60s and 70s? Right, yeah, yeah. Those, it, the musicians are just scraggly weird. Doesn't matter what they look like. They could have messed up teeth. They could be whatever. And, you know, the music spoke for it. You know, maybe they had a look. The look could be a bunch of ugly dudes with beards, but at least they sounded good. But the 80s came right. and then that, the image started driving music totally. sales. You know, like, there was no hairspray in the 70s, really. Right. It was once MTV came along and you had to be sexy. <laughs> right, but now I'm wondering if you don't have to be sexy anymore. I'm right. serious. Uh-huh. I, I guess it'll be interesting to see, like... I mean, at the end of the day, you still do have to be kind of sexy because social media still plays such a huge role in our lives. Hence why yeah. we're here. Um, that, um, you know you're constantly having to uphold an image. Like, I actually have looked better in the last four months than I probably have in the last five years because I constantly <laughs> have to look good. Like, 
I used to shave once a week. And that was like Thursday night before I'd go on tour. And now I have to shave every damn day. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I have to order clothes and I have to like, you know, I have to look good because that's part of the thing that I'm selling is that. I, I agree with that and I disagree with what you're saying. And I will say, because I think Gabriel and Dresden, um, you guys have a fan base and make music that I think people really care about the music and they don't True. really care if you came on wearing a muumuu. You could cut a hole in a trash bag and DJ like that every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And I don't think your fans actually would care. I'm really True. curious about that. I think there are other people who would care. You know, but I think interesting. This is an interesting observation because, like, around the 2013 14 era of dance music, I felt so ugly mm. compared to, you know, Afrojack and, like, I get know, it. Name it. You name it. They were all sexy and they were all younger. And, like, I felt so ugly and so old and so, like, uh, who wants to hear from this old dude, you know? And I think that there was a feeling in the industry that, that nobody wanted to hear from old dudes. Well, there, I think there's a huge ageism issue in our industry. It's like everyone wants our experience, but they don't want to put the marketing muscle behind the guys who actually can do this. They want the young, exciting, right. fresh Right, and I think that that's fresh. why ghost production has become such a huge part of our game. Yeah. Um, because, you know guys like us have 20 30 years of studio experience now and then these young sexy dudes you know who are you know have mommy and daddy's money can afford to pay for ghost production um i mean you know but i think that that's going away i honestly do um i think that you know i think you know COVID is sort of like a forest fire and and this might sound controversial but COVID is kind of like a forest fire for our, our industry. And I think that the strong are going to survive. But I think a lot of the fluff is going to, and, you know, fluff is, of course, you know, an opinion. But, you know, a lot of these dudes that never actually went in the studio to make music but could pay 10 grand to have a song produced, they ain't going to survive. I, I agree with that to some degree. I mean, I, I, I have... So I tried the line of my personal career has been has been electronic underground music. That's what I do as an artist, whether it's right. whatever it's always been. So that's one part of how I make a living. Right. The other part of how I make a living is doing big pop records and doing major label stuff and doing productions for bands and, you know, like doing all that other stuff. So for me, as a producer, I've always been used to being the band in the box, being the guy that helps you make your album, being the guy that helps you realize your vision, whether right. you can do all the stuff that I can do or not. So when ghost production started happening in electronic music, I found it really funny that somebody was going to pay me to make their techno track. Right. I was like, you're really going to pay me to make that for you? You're supposed to make that because you love that music. Right. Not because... But then the other part of it that I realized was not everybody is as fortunate to have found their partners or the right. person that helped them learn how to I do mean, this. I mean, I feel incredibly lucky that I found Josh Gabriel. Like, yeah. I've never found another person that I gel with musically as good as I've as good as I gel with Josh Gabriel. 
Yeah, and, but I mean, that's, that's, and it shows. Uh-huh. But yeah. also, I came from playing in bands, so for me, music is this huge community of, like, being, you know, being with people and spending time with people and really, like, having those relationships develop. So it's always been very important in my life. So I don't really mind helping people realize their visions right. as a ghost producer. I do mind when they start doing things like pretending, you know, going on and doing like technical videos and stuff about how they produce things. Right. And yeah, do yeah, that yeah. kind of yeah. really pretending. Like I have an issue with that. That's where I start to get where I'm like, dude, I made that track for you while you were flying to somewhere else and you're now pretending you're talking through the session pretending like i'm like that's where it gets a little crazy for me yeah. it's like just dj and make the money and be quiet <laughs> right yeah yeah totally well i mean you have to uphold an image and um so it's sort of like with that fee that you got paid unfortunately you know they have to keep the lie going you know i just found out a few dirty secrets the other day about the techno game and i was like shocked so like, come on I'm not telling. I'm not naming names, but there's a lot more ghost production in techno than you. Oh yeah, Are you kidding me? It's I the same as everywhere this. else, dude. It's I the same as everywhere this. else. I had no idea. And techno, techno is like I hate this. I'm gonna just techno is like a Republican at this point. That's right. how I'm gonna put it out there. They say and do the exact opposite of what they're actually doing. Like right. it's the most underground, the most pure music. It's it, there's so much ghost production, so much fakery, so much image jockeying in that right. world that like, you know, for someone like me who's been through a couple of decades of music, like, you know, I don't get involved in the he say, she said of all that because I know because I'm making music for people. But, right. uh -huh. you know, I, I, I always have an issue with my music is more real than your music concepts. I really don't think that's cool. Right. I, you know, I really, I think music is supposed to make people feel good or feel whatever, and that's what it is. And however yeah, it gets I made, it's made. There's a certain artist out there, there's one artist that I really love, that I was, like, blown away that they don't do their own music. But they, there's a quality control through different ghost producers that they use that I think maybe they do bring, like, um, to the table. So some I mean, guys are really good A and R people, and what they need is they need people to make the ideas for them, and then they A and R the tracks. They're not definitely. even coming. I mean, I mean, in I mean, I've learned how to make my own music like from from the ground up, but like you know, for the first ten years of G and D, I relied on G and on Josh yeah. to get the well, idea. Same, same with FS. I mean, F, I, I had production. I knew production stuff before I met Fred, but Fred really. He's basically was my school. Uh -huh, He's the right. guy I learned how to really produce from. And then from there, I went on and like created my own techniques and moved on from that. Right. But, you know, everybody has the person they can point to. I mean, definitely. We, like, we had I, our roles, you know. We, we I used did, to, we did. On the first track that I made with Josh, I used to yeah. call them beats and not bars. Uh, like, right. <laughs> I was like, we need four, you know, we need to do 32 beats. He's like, oh, you mean eight bars? And I'm like, what's a bar? <laughs> He's like, four beats. And I was like, okay, I have to learn that language, you know? And I was like, I like the echo. He's like, oh, you mean the delay? And I was like, what makes it all fuzzy? He's like, oh, the feedback. And I was yeah, like- but everyone has to learn. I mean, now yeah. like, I teach production online too to people and I always say to them, yo, make sure you, 
you know, YouTube that stuff before you take a lesson with me because the, the answers are out there. Like, go out. I didn't have that when I was coming up. But I'm like, go out and then when you can't answer the questions yourself. Right. Uh -huh. Then ask me those questions or ask right. me why that this is the answer if you don't know. Don't just come to me with like, because, uh -huh. you know, it's like I can give you my expertise, but if you're not asking the right questions, then you're not going to really learn from it. Definitely. Um, and, and that's, and I think, and I YouTube things all the time. Right. Same. Something will come up and be like, I, someone has probably gone through this before. How do I do it? Or I posted to like a logic forum the other day that solved some problem that I'd never had before. And right. within two minutes, I got an answer and I was like, yeah, it's so incredible that like there's pretty much the answer to any question can be found in a YouTube tutorial if you have the true. patience to to sit through it. And um, I mean, in, from, in my case, though, Josh didn't have the DJ experience. So it was right. like, you know, he'd been making music with computers since the 1980s and I had been DJing in clubs since the 1980s. So we really just pooled our resources together to come up with one act that you know could you know both dj and make music together and like you know he learned how to dj from me and you know i mean he actually did know how to dj um before me but he, you know he wasn't necessarily very good at it yeah and so you know i taught him a lot of the <clears throat> techniques of djing you know and also you know the construction of an intro and an outro on a track and like how long the breakdown should be depending on what type of a record we're making you know how long the dance floor will you know stay paused and how to build it up you know all that stuff you know we we, we discovered that stuff together so yeah. um you know i think that in our in our situation it was you know again like i said the, the sum of the parts 100 percent so let me do something where I told you this hour was going to go really fast and there's all right. kinds of people posting questions. I always ask a bunch of random questions that aren't so random anymore. Okay. Um, that just answer them. Don't think too hard. And you know, I'm not, I'm not judging. I just want you to answer them. All right. Okay. Faith or science. Science. Rave or festival. Rave. Ocean lake or desert. Mm, that's a hard one. I like all of them, but I'd say, you know, something. There's something special about the desert. Acid or mushrooms? I've never had either. <laughs> Big room or small room? You know what? I'll say mushrooms because those are at least nature. It's all nature, though. Right. Big room or small? I I always would opt for small. What's your superpower? What's my superpower? My ears. How would you incorrectly describe your job? Um, I'm a dude who plays records. <laughs> what animal should survive if only one can survive? A dog. Oh, I was going to say cat or dog, but you already, you already answered that. If not music, then what? Chef. Um, favorite meal? Pasta with red sauce. Keep it hunter simple. or gatherer gatherer I don't what like was the last food. gift you gave someone was the last gift i gave someone my yes. girlfriend i gave her a promise ring nice um do you have a favorite deli or in your case since you're in san francisco you could say maybe your favorite burrito place no 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 let's go deli man um the star deli nice
um, what's your? Do you have a favorite metal band? You know, I, you know, I secretly liked a lot of the metal music from the eighties. <laughs> I didn't admit it, um, but you know, like I actually really loved Bon Jovi. All right, and I know that they're not necessarily metal. Um, but they were metal. They fall in the they fall in the range as the metal range and the hair metal range. So I'll give you. And that. I did learn that later on they actually didn't write their songs. That like a really good songwriter wrote all the yeah, music. John Shanks, yeah, he he and he but no, he and John Shanks writes them with with um, Bob, Richie Bob Sambora Jones. and also uh, what's his name and and then the singer. So John Bon Jovi. Yeah, they they write together. Okay, I thought I that somebody that guy Jim Valens John Shanks. Yeah. Um, uh -huh. all right. Well, Tyler, I'm just going to just answer this really quick. Cause I see you at most of this question. It says, would you be interested in doing a live stream video about what different knobs flyers do on the CDJs? I tried finding stuff online, but I couldn't find anything really. I have a, I have an online thing about, uh, multi-genre DJing. You can search for, um, I did it for DubSpot years ago, but this is a cool thing. Yeah. It's whatever. Last question, Dave, cause we're almost out of time. It cuts us off at an hour. Okay. What genre are the talking heads? New wave. New wave. I mean, it could be art rock too, but like I'd say new wave. They came right. in the new wave world. I've done this, um, I think maybe 12 times and I've never gotten the same answer twice. What's the, uh, what's the average answer for the talking heads one? Nobody really, I think everybody's just like good music. They're like, um, I don't know people. It, I, New wave was my shit. Like it literally, like was. I like, think art rock is the is the right answer, but I, uh -huh. I think definitely. Um, but they were, you know, they were lumped into that, you know, that world of like alternative radio, which yeah. was new wave. You know, Blondie, uh, psychedelic furs. You know, yeah, all, a lot the, of British... all the New York art rock stuff. Totally. Right, I mean, they... it's about to kick us off, so I just want to say thank you so much for doing this. I'm glad that you guys are safe. Keep doing the um, web quarantine. It's amazing. And let's catch up soon. I hope some of that music I sent helps. <laughs> all right. Thanks, man. I appreciate all the music. I'm going to go through it now. I have two hours before my computer is going to be in use for the night. Excellent. So everyone tune in. And I'll, I'm, what I usually do is I download this. I put it back up. I compress the audio. And then I put it in. It comes out on Spotify and iTunes. So I'll let you know when all that's up. Awesome. That's great, man. Uh, it was really awesome talking to you. And I uh, hope to see you at the next Fight Club. Ah, Fight Club. We, we, we didn't get to talk about Fight Club at all. But we no, will. No, we didn't. But it's probably better that we didn't. <laughs> True. All right, man. I'll speak to you soon. And RIP, Bill. We love you, man. Peace.